Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall, and this is a collaboration episode, specifically about a beer that will be released next week in Nashville in advance of the Craft Brewers Conference, but will be available for all of us in the general public to try. Brandon Jones of Embrace the Funk and Yazoo Brewing brought together Russian River Brewing, Allagash Brewing, Jester King, and Green Bench Brewing, along with Bootleg Biology and River Drive Cooperage to create a one-of-a-kind beer. And I'm going to be joined by most of that group in just a moment. But first... Funk Fest is coming up on May 6th in Nashville, and it's hosted by Embrace the Funk and Yazoo. And All About Beer is going to be there to record conversations with leading brewers. You can celebrate the world of funky, sour, and wild beer, along with mead, saison, and lagers from over 50 top breweries in the world. Funk Fest continues to be a unique festival experience, providing a day of beer, food, and education like no other. Get your tickets now via Eventbrite or by visiting the Yazoo Brewing website. Also, mark your calendars for May 9th. That's when Camp Rauk Beer happens at Barik Brewing and Blending. It's happening during the Craft Brewers Conference, but you need not be a brewing professional to attend. Starting at 4 p.m. Central that day, come enjoy smoky delights from a dozen of the country's best brewers. Plus, M. Souter is doing a Pints and Panels pop-up, and there's even going to be some live audience podcast recordings, so get there. You can learn more by checking out This Week in Rauk Beer on Facebook just by simply searching the name of the group, or you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at TWRaukBeer. Please go visit allaboutbeer.com for original articles, reviews, news, insights, and podcasts. You can listen to shows like Beer Travelers, Brewer to Brewer, and the All About Beer podcast simply by searching All About Beer wherever you listen to shows. This show and all of the work we do is supported by you. Please go visit patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to help keep the content fresh. A few bucks goes a long way to fund writers, photographers, creators, and editors. And if you'd like to learn more about advertising on this show, please email info at allaboutbeer.com. The Craft Brewers Conference is an annual event that brings brewers from around the world into a selected city for a few days of education, equipment, perusing and buying, and camaraderie. Brewers have also been using the occasion to get together in advance and create and then release collaboration beers. One of the most ambitious, at least from what I've experienced in recent years, will be released on May 1st by Embrace the Funk. That's the wild and wooded side of Yazoo Brewing in Nashville. And that's where the conference is this year. Brandon Jones, the brewer behind ETF, called his friends, Vin Chalurzo of Russian River, Jason Perkins of Allagash Brewing, Jeffrey Stuffings of Jester King, and Christopher Johnson of Green Bench, and they all agreed to lend their time, talent, and inspiration to the beer. Then, Jones got Jeff Mello of Bootleg Biology involved on the east side, and Matt Albrecht of River Drive Cooperage to sort out the wood. Everyone that I just mentioned, minus Jason Perkins of Allagash, was able to jump on a Zoom earlier this month to talk about the beer, how it all came together, and the spirit of collaboration among brewers and in the beer industry. Here's our conversation. Brandon, a lot of folks in the brewing industry and even just, I think, enthusiastic beer drinkers have Nashville on the mind uh, because the Craft Brewers Conference is coming up. Um, Nashville has been in the news for a lot of things uh, lately, Um, but beer-wise, folks who are coming into town who maybe haven't been there in a while, what's the overall beer scene like these days that people should be 
excited and jazzed about? I think the availability across the city, um, you're, you would, you would go to certain parts of the city and there would be, you know, just kind of a dead zone for any sort of locally produced beer. And now it's super cool because, you know, whether you're north of town or downtown or east, you know, wherever, there's usually a brewery within about five minutes, five to 10 minutes from where you are. So if you're looking for something that's, uh, you know, that's that's produced at the source and you want to go hang out at a cool tap room, I mean, that's, I think that's been something that um, even in the past, like five years since 2018, uh, is when CBC was here, uh, that people probably will be surprised about is how many breweries that are here now, and and they're making great liquids. Uh, each have their own great things that they're uh, that they're doing. They have their own styles, whether it be, you know, the sour wilds, the hazies, the coffee stouts. Uh, you know, everybody seems to have found a cool little uh, thing that they're really proud of and they do a great job at. And that's why I think it's, uh, you know, when, when people do come to Nashville, I mean, whatever you like, I think that there's there's an availability there and you can go support it directly and go support it, uh, you know, where it's produced and uh, and see what the see what it's all about. So one of the things for folks who are listening that don't that are not in or around the beer industry is so the craft brewers conference comes together every year in a different city and host breweries or breweries in the host city um, usually like to put collaboration beers together in advance. There's, there's an official uh, expo beer, uh, official conference beer. um, But then there's a lot of really cool side projects that are happening. And so for you, Ren, when you were putting the thoughts together of everybody coming into town how did this collaboration of just this you know, murderer's row of, of names that are on this call with us right now, how did this all come together? Well, I mean, John, you know, for even before I started brewing um, commercially, uh, I was writing about beer, researching, uh, always trying to get the good word out there about sour, funky, wild beer. I've, I've said it for a decade now. I, my original writings were just to pull back that veil of mystery uh, for for these uh, different beers because there was a lot of misinformation out there, and as I started uh, as I started writing more, you know, you start to get that confidence up, so you start reaching out to some of these well known first name people like like Vinny and Tommy and people that were at the forefront of development in the United States for you know for these styles and for making these styles popular and and for you know really blazing a trail for us and so as you go along throughout your career, there's other people that inspire you and that you gain knowledge from and you just become friends with and people you, you know, you just look up to and respect uh, every single day. And I think that's what I said. And in my initial email to to everybody involved in the project was, and you guys, they seriously are people that I absolutely look up to and I would not be the brewer that I am without what these what these folks do day in and day out and and where they helped me get to so i just really wanted to bring it around to a conference that's all about you know collective uh you know uh, bringing people into nashville about collective knowledge and you know not just do it because you know hey it's a bunch of cool names on a label it needed purpose it needed a reason it needed history it needed a story behind it and so i you know i just thought of you know five you know four or five people that i thought would be uh you know would, would be along in the project and I, i'll tell you i sent out that pro- i sent out that email in the evening and by within 12 hours everybody was in 
like everybody was like, yep, we're in, we're going to do it. And I was just like, I was floating on clouds that day because I was like, holy crap, this, uh, this project is going, is going to happen. And as we, as we got to talking, of course, as you're doing collaborations, it was really cool to see how it developed because it was still my whole project or my whole idea was, yeah, bring everybody together. But once I started looking at who the breweries were, we had a Pacific, we had a Northeast brewery, we had a West Coast Pacific brewery, we have a you know brewery down in uh, down in the Atlantic in Florida, then we have a Midwest, and we have us where everybody's coming. So then it started seeing like, okay, now we're really uh, getting into this where everybody's coming to Nashville for this, and this is going to line up because we're bringing in all these brewers to Nashville. So let's bring it in as a um, as a reflection of some sort of ingredient, some sort of stage inside this, inside this beer. So that's kind of the long and the short for me, yeah. <laughs> how it came together. Well, um, I, you know, as you say, like with the names on it, I, I'm sitting here looking at the, at the label right now. And I, you know, I, I'd be hard pressed to, for, again, for my, for my career and for what I think these folks do to, to, to inspire me and, and to be good people in the, in the brewing community, I'd be hard pressed to find, you know, another group of folks that I would, you know, that I would rather do this project with for, for this year. So I know there's always a lot of focus on hops um, uh, by consumers these days, but Brandon, you were telling me beforehand and Vinny, I want to bring you into the conversation um, that uh, as this conversation started, the idea uh, came from California uh, and Vinny to start uh, using locally sourced malts for all of the various uh, uh, breweries involved in this project. And um, it really does seem to be coming, uh, be becoming a much more local product uh, and something that can be a, be a part of a beer conversation in a way that maybe 10 years ago um, it wasn't quite that, quite that way. So Vinny, I'm, I'm wondering from your perspective, um, you know, where you see craft malt playing a role, not only in this beer, but in the, in the, in the larger beer sense these days. And then maybe you can tell us you know, the malt that you sourced for, for this project. Yeah. So, you know, there's craft malt definitely uh, is a double-edged sword because if you're of any size uh, as a brewery, as we are, you know, we're over 40,000 barrels now using hundred percent craft malt just isn't feasible from a financial standpoint or a supply standpoint, you know, to get silos filled, that sort of thing. But with that said, you know, there's always the one-off beers. Um, you know, we've got our 20 barrel uh, Santa Rosa facility. We have a five barrel pilot brewery and we are often using Admiral Malt, which is a local malting uh, company. Um, when Brandon asked uh, us to be a part of this project and the idea was being bounced around about you know, sending bugs over and um, as well as maybe a local malt or some cereal grain. Um, instantly, I went to uh, a Pilsner malt that um, we get from Admiral. Um, but even more so is that it was actually grown right here in Sonoma County uh, by a local farmer who actually picks up spent grain from us from the Santa Rosa brewery. Uh, he also grows uh, hops for us when we make a wet hop beer locally. So it just seemed really natural to use the crane uh, malt from our, our friends, Ron and Erica Crane. They, you know, shipped it a hour south to 
Alameda to Admiral had it uh, malted and then uh, and we got it back. So it's keeping it pretty, uh, pretty local. And that's a pretty neat uh, way to be brewing, to be able to tie in, you know, local malts. And obviously we had to ship this, you know, out to Nashville for Brandon to brew with it. Um, but it's, um, it's just a neat, neat way to have a little bit of local uh, connection from each of the breweries um, sending something out, such as we did with the Pilsner malt. Yeah. Jeffrey Stuffings, what about you? What's the malt? What's the grain that uh, you felt was going to be representative of, of your brewery and, and your region? Sure. So we, um, we work with uh, Tex Malt, which uh, their malting house is in Fort Worth, Texas. And they, the farms they work with are in the Texas panhandle. There's uh, this area uh, known as uh, Brown, the Brownfield uh, near Lubbock. And it's kind of the breadbasket of, of, of Texas. Um, so we sent some malted barley, um, uh, two row, um, you know, malted uh, grains and at least malted barley in Texas was, uh, from what I understand, historically in fashion, but it kind of fallen by the wayside. But uh, thanks to uh, originally Blacklands malt, which is unfortunately now uh, now defunct. But uh, then, then following them, you know, Tex malt out of Fort Worth, we really have access to malted barley and malted wheat for essentially all of our, our all of our base malts um you know we're pretty small by by volume still uh you know do about like two two to three thousand barrels a year uh so it has been feasible for us to do um all of our base malts uh, except for like you know some one-off english beers or something with uh, with local grain but um no i, I mean it's one of my favorite part of parts about craft beer is being able to support local agriculture, uh, support local economy, and then also just have a little bit of that, that variation, that regional variation in, in flavor. You know, I'm not here to say that, you know, Texas malt is any better or, or worse than any other uh, malt in uh, other parts of the U.S. or, or the world, uh, but it is unique. And I like just having that little bit of, you know, the backbone of the beer, you know, being in our case, you know, well water and uh, Texas malt. So it's, I mean, that, you know, I know we're gonna talk about fermentation, but when you talk about local malts and local yeasts, that to me, that's that's the thing I get most excited about in beer. Chris Johnson, I I before we started, I I expressed skepticism about uh, Florida grown grain, and you correctly put me in my place. So for everybody else uh, who is. Uh, unfamiliar with what the Sunshine State knows about grain, uh, fill us in on your rye. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, thanks, John, uh, for putting us together. Brandon, obviously, for um, for you know reaching out to all of us and 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 letting us kind of work together. Um, it's been awesome. So um, you know, the idea of being you know to 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 bring in these cool elements around the country and and put them together and 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 you know having the trust in someone like Brandon has been been really cool and it's been exciting to see like his excitement about you know some of the things that maybe we can supply and uh while florida isn't necessarily like a place that grows a ton of grain um as you as you said there john um there uh <laughs> i jokingly told him earlier that you know you just you know you put it in the ground put some water on it and all you need is some sunshine we got yeah, plenty of that and i was so. like i don't i don't need your sarcasm i'm from new jersey yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh so uh, basically, uh, pretty close to us, somewhat like a little bit over an hour, kind of where from where I specifically am in St. Pete, Florida, in the Tampa Bay area. There's in Pasco County. There's um, a, a huge uh, spot where they they grow quite a few different grains, but one of the actually 
um, leading crops is rye. Um, and it's actually a varietal that's generally sold as called Florida 401 rye. It's basically this like Florida, this, this variety that has been sort of is adapted to Florida climate, like works fairly well here. So that's kind of why it's somewhat unique, you know, to us and, and something that we can grow. There's actually, it's like in Dade city kind of area, um, in Pasco, there's a family there that's been growing grain there since like the fifties. Um, and it's this, you know, this non-GMO selected, uh, seed that they've been breeding. And he's got, uh, I know that there's a guy there named Steve, uh, Steve Melton, who is a ranch owner. And like, he has, he's got like a hundred acre rye field. Um, I think over a course of a few other, um, uh, ranches, they've got like a collective in that area of, I want to say it was like 600 acres, no, over 700 acres, I think is what it was, uh, where they're just growing rye. Um, and so there aren't too many other like varietals that, that, you know, we grow as far as like grains in Florida, but it's one that like, especially some smaller distilleries in, in the state uh, kind of swear by. And then some here in, in, in sort of Tampa Bay as well. I know some of the smaller craft distilleries really love obviously using some of the, the Florida rye malt. So yeah, it was, it's, you know, provides like some classic rye character. It's a little more rustic because, you know, it's grown in Florida and it's, you know, it's not as mass produced kind of alluding to some of the malts that, you know, kind of Vinny was talking about that most of us still use on a day-to-day -day basis, but, um, a little more rustic and, and, you know, sometimes because of that somewhat, uh, unpredictable, you know, sometimes those, those protein levels are different and, um, you know, per harvest and they're a little more susceptible to, to sort of changes every, every, uh, harvest. So, um, just really cool to kind of pick something, you know, somewhat rural and, and local at the same time, uh, to throw into this collab. Nice. So, Bryn, you mentioned uh, Allagash uh, sent down some of their wheat that they use in white, uh, which is which is pretty cool. Um, quickly tell us about you know Tennessee grain that's being used in this, and then also run us fast through the hop profile because I really want to get into fermentation. Yeah, the uh, so the Cumberland Pilsner that we use uh, is actually a is a two row barley. It's here from Tennessee. It's done by Riverbend Malt House. Uh, for us, and uh, but I really like it for uh, for beers that can seemingly have a lot going on because it can be mostly doughy with some really nice just aromatics with a bit of graininess to it. Uh, but also it being grown about an hour from here, uh, Cumberland. So where I am in, in Middle Tennessee, you have the Cumberland uh, uh, Cumberland Plateau that separates East Tennessee and Middle Tennessee. So it's more of a plateau uh, grown pilsner. Uh, we've used it in uh, in a number of product projects here, but for sure this was the uh, you know this was the most locally sourced I could go with uh, just based on the idea that uh, that Vinny came up with. So um, yeah, that and I think we end up using a little bit of uh, wheat. Uh, there's Tennessee does have a whole lot of wheat uh, in this area, but we were able to source a little bit of wheat also to supplement with uh, the yeah, like you said the. The wheat that Jason sent down uh, from Allagash uh, was is the uh, white wheat that they use in their uh, in their famous uh, Belgian uh, wit. So uh, that was that was pretty cool. You faded out a little bit there. You back? All right, we've lost Brandon for a second. So I will uh, come back to him uh, when he comes back online. Um, Let's switch it over to talking about fermentation as long as everybody else is is still with me. Um, Jeff, when you think about uh, Jeff Stuffings, when you think about putting a collaboration together, um, 
obviously all of the breweries involved uh, are known for their house cultures are known for mixed fermentation beers. Um, what did you want to contribute yeast wise, fermentation wise um, to this and why? Yeah. So uh, kind of yeast or culture swaps uh, is one of my favorite thing to do uh, in beer in general, as well as, you know, collaborations. Um, you know, we've done, you know, various uh, methods of doing that, whether it's combining uh, mixed cultures, um, you know, shipping wort across state lines uh, that's been inoculated with uh, yeast overnight in the cool ship, uh, shipping funky barrels from one brewery to another. So kind of, um, you know, having the, the microbes, they interact is, um, is, is a lot of fun. And just seeing the, the, the variation you get through those uh, kind of culture swaps, as I, I, fr- I phrased it, uh, is, is a lot of fun. Uh, as far as like what to expect, um, that's always kind of the, the mystery of it. And really what I think makes, you know, this style of, of beer making uh, most interesting and, and fun is, um, I mean, I didn't really know exactly what to expect. There's other variables like, you know, time, temperature, hopping rates, um, the vessel in which the beer ages. Um, so it's not, you know, total random roll of the dice. Um, but um, yeah, as far as what it would yield, uh, whether it, you know, is kind of more like, you know, tropical stone fruit and where it may be more like dry spice or maybe like, you know, real kind of like, you know, funky Brett character. Um, that's simply, I, I, I don't, um, you know, I haven't even tasted the beer yet. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I really had no expectations over where the fermentation would go when you get like that many mixed cultures kind of, uh, at, at play. Vinny, what about you? Did you have expectations and what did you send in? You know, I, I think to follow up on what Jeffrey was just talking about, um, I think the common denominator here though, is that we all respect each other's, you know, beer and quality. And so, you know, that, that in and of itself is a reflection of each of our own cultures, you know, that, that we've built over time and, uh, and whatnot and what we ship to, uh, sent to Brandon. So, um, so although, you know, I'd echo what Jeffrey said that, you know, we, we certainly haven't had no, had no idea what it was going to taste like really even what the expectation was going to be. I did know it's going to be a really nice beer because everyone in this group here on this collaboration makes really nice, you know, well-rounded funky beer. You know, none of us have beers that have, you know, jagged edges of acetic acid or anything, you know, to, to that extent. Um, so to, to me, it's just, uh, it, it's just more of a, a feeling of, man, everyone in this group makes amazing beer and let's, let's put it together and um, see what we get. And I'm super, super excited to get to Nashville and try the beer uh, in a couple few weeks here. I, I imagine you have uh, a number of strains that you could pick from to contribute to uh, a project like this. So what did you, what did you send? You know, actually we, um, for our Britannomyces, which is not what I uh, sent, I sent our bacteria culture. Um, that was our, that's our culture from our Synambic, which is our spontaneous fermented beer. And, you know, that's also what we, uh, that's the bacteria we add to all of our uh, non-spontaneous beer as well. So we have not bought a uh, bacteria culture in probably 
15 or plus years. Um, so we'll actually take the dregs of a barrel of Sinambic and then add some wort or beer and or beer and grow it up. And then that's what we that's how we add bacteria to all of our beer. So that's actually what I sent to uh, Brandon was our house uh, bacteria uh, culture, which technically is the dregs from a synambic barrel, which also does have wild yeast in it and whatnot. And it's been it's been some time since I've sent it to a lab to look <laughs> at it. I, I, I take the approach and I'd be curious what the rest of the, um, you know, brewers on this on this call uh do but if it changes it changes i'm not trying to hold our uh culture to a specific flavor profile and if it goes a certain direction then you know what it goes a certain direction i also know that if the tank of bacteria does go south i can always just drain a barrel of synambic and start it over again because we <laughs> we do have enough years of making spontaneous beer um that I have the confidence that we can get it back on track again. But um, that's only happened once in since we've been making spontaneous beer, which goes back to, oh gosh, I don't know, 2005 or something like that. Yikes. Um, Chris Johnson, does that square with your approach? Yeah. I mean, um, so I guess this, we, we also kind of have, you know, two kind of different cultures that we use for most of our fermentation forward stuff. I mean, obviously there's like, exceptions to that rule sometimes when, you know, sometimes I'm doing something more fermentation forward that might be slightly cleaner. Um, but generally speaking, you know, similar to, to Vinny, we, we do have sort of like our Brett culture and then we have like mixed culture um, side of things. And oftentimes those get blended together or used, you know, simultaneously. But um, I also like to isolate those and kind of play with them in separate forms. Um, so for, so, you know, I, I had to sort of choose what to send on this one. Um, knowing just through the email thread and chatting with the, with the guys here, like what other people were sending. Um, I elected to, to use our Brett culture, which, you know, I find, you know, has a, a, you know, I wouldn't call it an overly dominant character, but it, it, it stands out um, a little bit um, in its fermentation character, which um, I always really, really, really love. Um, it's soft, but it's, it tastes like ours kind of thing. Um, and, you know, knowing that we were going to get some, you know, bacterial cultures that come from spontaneous beer, you know, via, via Vinny and, and Jeff and knowing what we were going to get from, um, from Allagash as well, uh, from Jason, you know, I just, I felt like maybe the best thing that I could probably contribute was more on the yeast side and, and more of, you know, sort of the funky side of the fermentation and, and maybe a little bit less on the bacteria, um, you know, acid profile, knowing that we were going to have some, some really, really cool acid you know, character that were spontaneous from around the country. Um, so that was kind of the, the route we, that, you know, I, I took, uh, you know, using, you know, more of a Saison focused, you know, farmhouse focused uh, profile that, you know, tastes like some of our more far farmhouse forward beers versus some of our mixed culture beers. Um, felt like that was the best way we could contribute to, to some of the excellent flavors that, you know, their cultures have. Jeff Miller, I want to bring you into this conversation here, and uh, you were responsible for uh, for gathering these samples, getting them over to uh, to embrace the funk. Um, what was your job like in putting this all together? Um, it was to be super happy to be involved. I think because um, Brandon Brandon is is a is a visionary, and when he says, "Hey, I want to bring some amazing brewers together and make this." 
fear and I have a strong vision for it. Um, will you help us, you know, handle these cultures and bank them and prop them for me? Um, and it's kind of like uh, the Queen of England saying, hey, will you guard the crown jewels for me? Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a, a really special um, thing to be involved in this project because we spent a lot of time talking to brewers and interacting with brewers and, you know, thinking about microbes. Um, and we get to be creative in our, in our own uh, way. But when someone comes to us with a vision, um, it's kind of fun to just sit back and go, Hey, we'll just be, we'll be the keepers of the keys. And I think it was fun getting to talk to, um, each of the people on this call and, um, Jason from Halagosh as well, and just kind of get a sense of, what they were sending us, um, a little sense of how it should be prepared. You know, Jason from Malagash had very specific um, instructions for us because they sent their Brett culture and he knows it very well. Um, and essentially, we just, it was already came in a purified form as opposed to the other brewers who sent kind of a mixed culture, um, which is a little bit, you know, can go lots of different places depending on when you harvest it. Um, but they gave us a Brett that they'd used lots of times and they had very specific understandings of how it could be grown. Um, and so all that information was really helpful for us just to um, keep those cultures fresh, keep them as close to um, how they were sent to us, especially with mixed cultures. You know, it's, it's a living organism, you know, it's a multicellular organism in some ways made up of yeast and bacteria and our job is to keep that as close to how it was originally sent to us. Um, and so if we were doing our job, we were able to give those cultures to Brandon, um, in the way that, you know, essentially the brewer meant. Um, and then Brandon had his own unique mad scientist vision. And so he's like, what I know about these cultures, I want X amount of this one. I want Y amount of this one and Z of this one. And that's exactly what he told us. Um, and that was the symphony that he was conducting. Um, and then he told us that he wanted as the base, um, a Nashville yeast strain. Um, this was a Nashville centric beer that was being brewed for CBC. Um, and that was the, the primary driver of, of this beer for primary fermentation, um, was a Nashville yeast strain, um, that we had, sourced um just a couple miles from our lab and that uh, brandon has used in a few different beers so that's that's just a special thing that we got to contribute is a culture that we found um and it's pretty awesome that we're kind of up there in the pantheon of uh wild yeast uh, producers and harvesters and fermenters um that we got to be part of this project in that way too I imagine to the three non-Nashville brewers on this call um, that when you are putting a collaboration together, uh, there is a, a a reasonable amount of trust, uh, one, that you're going to do a collaboration with somebody, but um, two, that they're going to captain the ship and that you're, you're going to trust them to um, uh, take your uh, beloved product and, and, and do something meaningful. Um, with it. And uh, Jones, if you're, if you're back with us now, and I think you are um, uh, being kind of a, mad, a mad scientist and, and putting a symphony together, um, walk us through 
how you did that um, with the guidance from 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 the brewers that are also on this call? Well, I mean, uh, and I'm back, right? You can hear me okay? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, so being very fortunate that, uh, that I do, uh, I do like to drink a lot of beer um, and I do like to drink uh, everybody's, uh, uh, everybody's beer that is uh, a part of this project. I had a good idea, uh, especially from uh, having tasted uh, many batches of beatification and uh, drinking off the fooder at Green Bitch, Chris and Jeff and Jeffrey and I have brewed together what, five or six times now um, and you know, consumed a lot of Allagash. I did have an idea uh, once we started talking about the cultures, I did have an idea what they what they uh, produce and uh, what they can do uh, individually. Uh, so you just start thinking about it and start writing down notes. And it does look like, uh, you know, it does, does look like a, a mad scientist or ramblings of a madman. Uh, we start writing these uh, these ideas down on what you think temperature might uh, uh, might do to these different cultures, and you know where we were going to go if we were going to primary ferment everything in in a conical cylindrical uh, tank or like one of our flat bottoms. Uh, when to add everything? So, you know, I knew about the cultures. Um, it, it was it was working out the stages of adding them. Everything was inside the beer within the first uh, within the first twenty four hours. But giving a couple of things a head start, like I are that used to Jeff uh, that Jeff Mello was talking about the three seven two one one that we use uh, in a beer we call locale. Um, I'm very familiar with it. I know the temperature range on it. So what I wanted to do was pitch that first and then slowly bring down the temp on it. So it didn't produce too many esters up front, um, along with, um, the cultures from green bench and, and, uh, I knew that the Brett was going to be decently slow growing from Jason since I talked to him. So adding that within, I don't know, eight hours or so, and then, that following morning, adding the uh, Russian River and the Jester King, uh, just so we could have like, you know, those stages. And I do look for, and I do think that um, having worked with some of the Jester um, uh, cultures before, there's a lot of potential for some really nice uh, esterification that takes place um, with some of the other strains like our locale strain. So, which I think that definitely translated through highlighting too from uh, uh, Beatification always gives me this just amazing, like natural white wine notes to it. So I knew that we were going to get those notes out of there. We just needed to like let those develop in a in a very you know long term pleasing way, and it did. Uh, it did. It came out. Uh, you know, I'm very happy to say it really did. The the symbiont the the, the symbiont cultures did play out like I had hoped um, within a you know within a decent percentage. Um, I, I'm very happy with how the microbes played into it and then start adding in the, uh, the barrel characteristics um, of the beer. It, um, it, everything hit basically the way I wanted to, you know, 13 months ago when we, uh, when we came up with this. Let's bring Matt from River Drive Cooperage into this. Um, Matt, when uh, you and Brandon started having this conversation um, and thinking about, you know, barrels and thinking about wood for something like this uh where did your mind go and then what did you ultimately uh suggest to to put forward 
Yeah, you know, I, I will say, uh, I maybe I'm giving him too much credit, but I'm also okay with that. Uh, I think Brandon really steered the ship on what he was looking for, you know, and that's kind of, you know, I like to operate one of two ways. You know, I love it when brewers come to us and say, hey, I here's a beer. Uh, what can I do with it? What do you got? What, what, how can we play with the wood? And, and you know, and, and that allows me to be, you know, really creative and, and you know, figure out what, what we've got and what would work. Um, but then on the contrary, I, I also I love when brewers come to me, like Brandon did in this case, and said, "Hey, here here's exactly what I'm looking for. Here's what I'm trying to do. How can he help?" And um, you know, in that case, um, you know, when when we decided to go with the, we went with some red wine punchins, and then we also added some smaller or regular sized, um, you know, white wine barrels to this, and. You know, it's funny when, when Brandon first came to me and said, hey, you know, I'm working on this project for CBC and we're working on this little project here. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, happy to help. What can we do? Um, and then as we get talking about it, um, he starts he starts kind of name dropping like, oh, it'll be great because, you know, we're getting we're getting this from the here and that from here. And I'm like, oh, oh wait. I'm like, whoa, whoa wait a minute. This, is, <laughs> this is this is not a little project. <laughs> and uh um, and actually, a lot of it worked really good because with Allagash being, you know, uh, almost right next door to us um, to about 20 minutes up the road. Uh, we were able to, you know, team up there and kind of uh, joint effort and get all, all the stuff all shipped down together. Um, you know, and, and I think it worked out really well. I dig it. Um, somebody will point out to me, uh, Brandon, that uh, I didn't follow up with you on the, on the hops question. So just before uh Whoever's screaming at their radio right now is you didn't you didn't tell us about the hops. Uh, very quickly, thirty seconds. Tell us what's in the uh, the hop bill. Uh, so the initial hop bill, we uh, we went minimal uh, just because we knew we were looking for a more and uh, base malt driven beer. So we just used saws uh, in the uh, in the initial uh, kettle, and then a little bit at flame out. Uh, then once we, I think, uh, with Vinny and Jason, and I talked a lot about, um, you know, making sure that we were playing off the character of the final beer and not, um, you know, and not trying to override it with hops. We just wanted to really just kind of give a nice little, uh, nice little pop in there. So we ended up using Enigma hops, um, which really play off the two barrel selections that we had. Enigma hops, uh, let's say uh, Southern Hemisphere hop that, that that gives you a lot of kind of sweet berry, current character, uh, raspberry type character from uh, from that portion from portion of the blend, and the, I'm sorry, from that hop, and then when we blend all that together with the Saw Blanc barrels and the Pinot Noir barrels, you do get that kind of sweet fruit, which ties in a lot to the Saw Blanc. So again, we were playing off characters that were already there. And just giving a little bit of a highlight to it, just kind of a little punch to it, just to kind of offset uh, uh, some of the, uh, or offset it and create the roundness that I wanted to in the aromatic. So it wasn't just all barrel and beer. It was just a little bit there. So you notice those, uh, those hot flavors. And plus Enigma is a cool sounding hop too. <laughs> Um, what's well, called Octatonic. Um, you're releasing it on May 1st uh, in 16 ounce cans and in draft, and it's going to be at Funk Fest, which I think everybody mm -hmm. who's on this call is going to to, to be at. Um, I want to swing back around to the brewers uh, in our last few minutes here. Um, Christopher Johnson, as there's so many breweries in the country right now, 
Um, and you know, there, there's always, I'm sure chances to go to festivals and, and, and do collaborations, um, as, as you can be more discerning these days, what, what do you look for when joining a project like this or, or any collaboration? Like what, what do you want, uh, to get out of it professionally at the end of the day? Wow. Well, I think at the end of the day, (laughs) I want to make, I want to make great beer. You know, like I want to be, I, I want to make something that, you know, is intriguing that I'm going to learn from that, um, is going to provide, you know, sort of opportunities to play with things that maybe, you know, I, I would not have had an opportunity to, you know, and I think, I think, you know, when Brandon asked that, that's how it felt. It felt like, well, this is an opportunity for me to work. I mean, I, I have worked with many of the people so far, like Brandon and I, and, and Jeff, you know, and, and Jason, um, not Vinny yet, but, um, uh, I guess well, now, now you have, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so Update the resume. Yeah, exactly. I got to add another line to my, uh, long email signature. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that, that's what I look for. I look for like, you know, ways in which I can learn and, and, you know, do something challenging. Um, and at the end of the day, make delicious beer, you know, it's, as far as like festivals go, you know, I don't think I've missed an embrace the funk since the first one I went to, um, which is several years ago, you know, barring COVID, you know, shutdowns and everything, but you know, not only is it, you know, a place I want to be every year, um, and with people I want to be with every year, you know, Brandon and the, and the team and, and Linus and the whole Yazoo crew throw one hell of a party and, um, they celebrate kind of the same stuff that we love. Um, and it's also like, I'm from Tennessee, so it's always like home soil for me. I love, I love hopping home and, and, you know, feeling that Tennessee ground beneath my feet and it, you know, it just, it feels different there for me. So, um, it's always a special place and, you know, being able to do that and share it with special people is, is really cool. And if we can make a, a dope beer in the process, then, you know, sign me up. Jeffrey Stuffings, as, as you think about the collaborative nature of, of beer these days, is it, I know you have a lot of folks who, who uh, come to your farm, come to your brewery. Um, uh, they, re- they really want to get a true taste of place. Um, is this a chance to broaden a conversation to, uh, to beer drinkers by doing a collaboration like this? Yeah, very, very much so. Um, you know, Brandon, uh, to me, has been just one of the, if not the kind of Pied Piper of wild and funky beers. Um, you know, his original, I mean, I've told him this and said this publicly many times, but his original, you know, embrace the funk, uh, blog, uh, was one of these small handful of sources that, you know, taught me how to begin making these beers. And so, um, yeah, basically, um, you know, if, uh, anything, Brandon, this is kind of echoing previous points, anything Brandon is involved with, uh, it's going to be cool. It's going to be quality and it's going to advance, uh, the message of, uh, of fermentation, you know, beyond pure culture brewers yeast. I mean, we love our pure culture beers as well, but, um, yeah, I mean, uh, preaching the gospel of wild and funky beers is a continuous project and something that, you know, we work here at Jester King to try to tell, uh, every day, uh, and being able to, you know, project that message abroad through cool collaborations like this is, is really special and important to, uh, you know, keep, uh, keep uh, proclaiming these styles. 
Vinny, I, I know you mentioned that you've been doing this for, for, for quite some time now, and you've certainly inspired uh, a lot of brewers to, to take up a mash paddle. Um, and, and one of the things about the brewery that I've always ad- admired is that you're, you're, uh, constantly tinkering, you're constantly, uh, forward thinking. And I wonder where, uh, your educational beer, educational curiosity, um, is taking you at the moment. Well, um, you know, we, from a funky standpoint, um, we really have started to, uh, I kind of got re-inspired um, at the beginning of the pandemic. I had a little extra time. Um, and uh, so we just really started looking at other ways um, to take our funky program to a different in a different direction, maybe not to the next level, um, with the idea of really more of a focus on grapes. We had already started a line of beers called Intinction, where we did Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot and Syrah. Um, but that led me down the rabbit hole of uh, pumice, of grape pumice, so dried um you know, pressed grapes, if you will. Uh, so far, only reds, um, but we've messed around with Pinot Noir, Cabernet, Syrah, Petite Syrah. Uh, we're mainly now focusing on the Petite Syrah uh, and the um, uh, and the Cabernet. Um, probably mess around with some white pumice this year. Um, also, Lees grape grape Lees. We have a pretty interesting beer we did a couple years ago um, where we took some native lees from a local uh, winery and then fermented a saison with it, primary fermented it, and then went into barrels from that winery, um, then bottle conditioned it with a local uh, native wine yeast uh, called Rock Pile. Um, and there was a little bit of cinnamic blended into that as well. So all native bugs. So that's that's really, I mean, if, if those that know Natalie and I know, they know that we also have a great love for wine. So that really brings together my background as a, you know, growing up in the winery as a kid, um, my love of beer, my love of wine and seeing what we can do uh, to bring them together. And um, I believe we're going to be bringing um, one of the pumice beers. And for me, the idea is to like blur the line with between what wine and beer can be. And, and I think we've done that with the, especially with the Petit Syrah pumice beer. Bring, bringing that to funk fest yeah yeah okay. yeah I, I i know you and i have a i um some sort of educational session together and <laughs> be, be honest with you i can't remember um what the topic is uh, we haven't we haven't landed on it yet so okay. that's fine you'll, okay. you'll get an email next week and yeah. uh and we'll we'll hash it out about five minutes beforehand yeah, Chris, i like Chris, it chris johnson did it two years ago and i think it was about four seconds before the mics went hot, where I was like, what are we talking about? He's like, I don't know, decoction. I was like, great, we're talking decoction. Yeah, yeah. So well, it's, it'll be uh, something funky. And uh, um, we've we've also done a really cool uh, beer where it's the Intinction Sauvignon Blanc base with, mer- with more Sauvignon Blanc juice, which is all local from a, a Dutton Vineyards and Winery, which actually they grew hops years ago here. Um, and then we dry hopped it with some Nelson. And that's probably something that the other brewers on this call have done before. Nelson, Hops, and Sauvignon Blanc are just a match made in heaven. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I, I think we'll be bringing a little bit of, uh, of everything and hopefully we can be pouring some of these at the fest in a couple of weeks. That's going to be great. Uh, Brandon will point out that tickets are on sale for Funk Fest right now uh, where, wherever tickets are sold. 
Yes. I don't know where all that is. All, all of Eventbrite. Okay. Yeah. We'll put links up as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're just about out of time. I know Vinny has to jump, but uh, Brandon, final thoughts on uh, on what people can expect from this beer, um, uh, how you're feeling about it right now as we're just a, well, as a I, weeks away from, from its debut. Yeah. So as I'm sipping on a little bit here, um, yeah, expect a, a nice dry uh, beer with one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite characters in mixed culture and Saison beer is always a big minerality, almost like a wet pavement type of, uh, of flavor that I, that I really enjoy out of a lot of natural wine. Um, I think you'll enjoy the uh, it's multiple beers in one glass. Uh, if you have it cold, you're probably going to get a lot more of the, uh, of the white wine character out of it from the, from the barrels, a lot more of the yeast driven, but it warm up. You're going to get a little more of that, uh, that dark berry uh, aromatics to start boosting out. Um, the beer uh, ended up uh, around a little over uh, 6% ABV uh, pH was uh Yesterday, when I took it um, for the final, it was uh, 3.67, so not super sour. A lot of nice acidity there, just to bring it, bring it around. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just, I, I still, I'm almost, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm almost speechless sitting here actually talking, talking about it because you know, you know, I've had a lot to say about it over the past 12 months, but now that it's kind of here, I'm like, wow, we we pulled this off. We we actually did it. After you know, 13, 14 months of, of planning and fermenting and everything back and forth and figuring it out, I mean, it's with a group of eight uh, of eight great people. We we absolutely pulled this off, and I think that our uh, our philanthropy too will be excited about that. Which is uh, Pencil uh, here in Nashville. Um, they help out with uh, Metro Nashville uh, school students with school supplies. Uh, making sure a lot of the underserved uh, children in our community uh, get all the supplies they need for school and uh, get what they need to, uh, the basis to succeed in life. So I'm very thankful we all came together to uh, to do that. So another local aspect to uh, to the whole project. Drinking good beer for Brent, a good Brent, cause. it sounds like uh, you're saying good things take time. I, I am. <laughs> I think there's a famous <laughs> sign up somewhere. In Brussels, about that. <laughs> <laughs> now we're really tying it together. Um, yes. <laughs> Vinny, Jeffrey, Matt, Christopher, Jeff, Brandon, thanks for doing this. Thanks for putting this beer together. Um, everybody who's coming into Nashville is going to be excited to be drinking it, uh, myself included. And um, thanks for doing what you do in, in in the name of beer and for for being on the show this week. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. Thank, yeah, you, guys. thank you, John. Thanks, John. Thanks, guys. What's the collaboration that you remember fondly? Email me. It's John Hall. That's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at allaboutbeer.com. Or you can tell me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. That's also how you can get in touch with questions, comments, and guest suggestions. Don't forget, put FunkFest on your list of things to do this year. May 6th in Nashville with some of the very best brewers in the country pouring in a really relaxed setting. The ticket price actually includes food, and you can get yours by visiting the Yazoo website or by searching FunkFest on Eventbrite. We're going to be there having conversations with brewers of note. And if you can't make it for whatever reason, stay tuned to this channel, and we will bring you those interviews soon enough. A reminder, please go visit allaboutbeer.com. There you can check out the podcast page, the merch page, and can read great new content as well as our archives, which go back to 1979. 
Don't forget, follow All About Beer on social media, at All About Beer. And if you're interested in supporting journalism in the beer space, email us at info at allaboutbeer.com or simply go to patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. A few bucks really does go a long way. Don't forget, All About Beer has a podcast channel now. Search and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Steal This Beer, eight years old now, has new episodes still every Monday at five o'clock. And the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. As for this show, Nate Schweber does the music. Jeff Quinn designed our logo. And I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday. And that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer. <laughs>